Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. On this week's episode, Alex and I are going to be talking about Advent. We just kicked off Advent at South Fellowship Church, and we're going to be talking about what is Advent and a little bit of history about it and what's its purpose in the church calendar. What is the church calendar? These are the kinds of things we're going to talk about. But more importantly, our hope is that this week we're going to offer you a few tips, a few recommendations on how you can engage this season individually so that you can really appreciate it at a different level, really grow from this season at a different level. And this season's all about anticipation, longing uh, for Christ's coming. So we're going to talk about all those sorts of things. We're also going to talk about how Alex hates Christmas before December 1st and why he feels that way and uh, more. No more spoiler alerts. Let's just dive right in. Everybody, welcome everybody. There we go. There we go. Welcome. New studio, the, new yeah. errors. Um, <laughs> welcome to a podcast of errors. That would have been a great name for our rebrand. A podcast of errors. More accurate. For a second, ironically. For a second rebrand coming up in 2023. <laughs> By then we have like one listener who's like in an insane <laughs> asylum. They just love it yeah. somehow. So um, there's so much in this. <laughs> Um, yes, this is no longer the Guys Drinking Tea podcast, even, even though, though we're drinking even tea. We're drinking tea. Um, instead, this is called the Red Couch. I love it. Same a name, chatter, completely new setup, a new name. <laughs> yeah, Red Couch Theology Podcast. And this week on the episode, we're talking Advent. We are. Um, and we might mention Mary. We might mention Mary. And we might mention uh, Alex's aversion to Christmas decorating oh, early. Yeah. Yes. In fact, we can start there. You just think, oh, yeah, yeah. see, That's I told like you he actually like... had this thing so pent up that even though he didn't <laughs> preach about that, even though it's not really on the agenda, I even just I mentioned like I it. In, uh, I mentioned it in passing. He's like, "That's the podcast subject." I feel like I have in the past. So, so, I, and I, and I think there's probably a, um, I don't know. So, so here. Halloween decorating is a big deal, uh, not in England. So I didn't grow up with that. Uh, and then there's no Thanksgiving. So obviously Thanksgiving here is this moment that I feel like America as a country turns the corner on the race towards Christmas. It's like suddenly, like, it's like, you know, you ever do one of those races where you run, like you have to run around a, a, I don't know, a tree or whatever, a, a rock or something. You run around, so you, 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 there's someone says run to that. You go you're go losing me. No, sorry, no, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm just, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, and then, Are we talking barrel races? Are there horses involved? There's no horses involved, but there could be, I guess. But you, you run to something like when I was playing soccer in high school, they'd say run around that tree. So you go, you'd run around the tree and you'd turn and you'd like bolt for home. And I feel like that's what happens with Thanksgiving. Like it's this rounding the tree moment. And then suddenly the mad dash for Christmas begins. Full on sprint. Uh, yeah. And, and if you haven't got your Christmas decorations up before, like the day after and everything is the, is the thing. So, so for me, I didn't have that growing up. So to me, December 1st has always been the date. Like I'm just like no Christmas music in the house till December 1st. No Christmas movies in the house till December 1st. Like no lights on until December 1st. Um, so I am a bit, my family would say I'm a bit of a, a bit of a Grinch until December 1st. So last night, actually, we got to go. And then your heart grows. It does. Two sizes. Yeah. Like would you Grinch. say? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Got it. And my belly becomes big, like a bowl full of jelly. Is Gigi um, little Luhu? 
or whatever. She would make a good Lindy Luhu. Lindy Luhu. Right. Um, Sorry, I am she, distracting she, you. <laughs> Carry on. I apologize, everyone. I've... So last night we went out to the lights at Chatfield, thanks to uh, a person that comes to South. And um, so we got to go and see all the lights and it's beautiful. And I, I said to Laura and the kids, like, right now I'm ready to be Christmassy. Like now I'm ready to, to, to make that move. But I think I think part of like what we recognize with society, trying to turn that spiritual a little bit, is is all of us feel like it's a mad dash to Christmas. I mean, that is almost like the, and if you work in the church world, even more so. Like the, there's this moment where someone says to me, "It's the 25th of September. It's only three months till Christmas." And I'm like, you're a filthy liar. Like, there's no way it's only three months till Christmas. And then get out of my face. Get thee behind yeah, me, Satan. And, and then you count and you're like, <laughs> oh, it is. And there's all these things to do and all of these things to make happen. And, and so in the church world, it's maybe even more noticeable. But for most of us, Christmas becomes this sort of slightly impending doom. I've got to get all of these things done. Mm. Um, and some of those are just like, I've got to get the lights up. I've got to get the tree. I've got to get it decorated. I've got to, there's all of these different elements. Um, and obviously that isn't, that's a modern Christmas. Yeah. So there's a bunch of questions there that we might tap into. Why, why is it that we feel like we need to do that? Um, and then we talk about Advent um, and, and, and that lands in this Christmas season of like, it's the, it's the last Sunday of November. Usually sometimes it just catches the first Sunday of December as a start, but it runs up until Christmas day and it, it's nothing like the modern day preparation for Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost like anti it. So, so the question then becomes like, are we losing something that's really valuable because we're just dashing around buying presents for 30 days? Um, mm -hmm. And decorating or whatever. Yeah. I know. So, so that it's intriguing to me. So you're just asking the question. You don't have any proposals for an well, answer well, to that know. question. And then like, I'm going to throw this other thing into the mix before we, we get into this a little bit. Is that I also, again, maybe a church person problem, but maybe affect some other like different work cycles that you guys listening might have is, is I used to, I used to finish everything for Christmas by about December 14th, like a couple of jobs I had on a golf course and, um, working as a youth pastor. I did almost nothing from December 14th, December 15th. I went to Christmas Eve and helped out a little bit, but I had no real responsibilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ethan, our youth pastor was saying that the other day. He's like, I don't really have anything to do after the Christmas parties are done. Yeah. Uh, so I had all of that. And then I became a lead pastor. And suddenly then, like, if you, if you don't find a way to recognize this season other than working and you wait till you're done with everything, that waiting for me and for you finishes at like 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And you're like, okay, now, now I've got to get all of my Christmas spirit into like this one, one moment. Um, yeah. And it feels like it's gone before it even gets there. Yeah, this is quickly turning into a pastoral, like, counseling session where, <laughs> Alex, how do you feel, man? How you doing? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, but, um, but I think, I, no, I, think, I completely understand. Um, and so there's, I think, maybe a brief description of what Advent traditionally yeah. was meant to be. Yeah. 
uh, might be helpful in the, in this conversation before we proceed anymore, because I don't want to make any assumptions that maybe historically, liturgically, uh, church calendar wise, people understand mm -hmm. all of the what was intended by this season of Advent. So let me ask let's, you the question. Let's compare what's it. What's the church calendar? The church calendar. So the church calendar was developed by them. <laughs> Those people. Those people out there. I don't know the actual <laughs> specifics, but historically, like the the. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Willow Creek? <laughs> you know what's funny Sorry. is i've never actually researched like the original like any names particularly uh, and it's been it, yeah. there's iterations but it's a long time hundreds of years old um system of just organizing the calendar around seasons and ideas mm -hmm. so uh and the idea behind the church calendar was how can we organize the scriptures and the overarching themes of the scriptures yeah. in such a way that we make sure that we cover it all. Yeah. And we make sure that we appropriately emphasize the the ebbs and flows of theological ideas yeah. throughout history. Yeah. And so what they've done what they've done is they've split the entire scriptures into 3 years and then they organize it in the seasons of advent, lent. These are all terms you probably have heard. But it's we're talking incarnation mm -hmm. is Advent and yes. anticipation of second coming. Uh -huh. Then you have Lent, which is a preparation. So it's it's a recognition of mortality yes. theologically, which is also preparatory for the celebration of resurrection. Mm -hmm. Then you have ordinary time. You have these mm -hmm. other different. You have um, uh, um, uh, the spirit coming. What am I? The term? Pentecost. Pentecost. So, yeah, there you yeah. Pentecost. And, and and epiphany. So these are all theological ideas that that the church historically is considered really important, and we ag agree. Yeah, are so, really significant ideas. And what they allowed it to do is almost over the course of three years and doing it year in year out, you start to train the people of God in what theological ideas are really, really important. And it's so funny because like even like in a more evangelical setting where we do themes, somewhat like that but we'll also teach different chunks of passages we definitely miss some which is is a downside but i also have this kind of rule like oh i haven't taught on that for three years that's a we time where it's it. okay to like to to do it again yeah uh, which is it's, i mean it's weird that it's the same cycle but i i tend to break the idea down into you begin with advent that's the start of the church year so you start with god with us when you move into the, you move through epiph Epiphany in, in, into Lent and, and, and Easter, and so then you are God for us. Um, hmm. And then you move through to Pentecost, God in us. Um, and then you move into ordinary time, God through us. Um, so you've that's, got these that's like... That's great. Did yeah, you come these, up with that? These, no. Um, nice. It's good, though. It's still yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I actually haven't heard it verbally explained that way, but that's awesome. Then I did come awesome. up with it. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. It's so brilliant. It makes sense that you yeah, yeah, came I'm gonna up with it. Yeah, I'm going to write a book. Um, so, so, <laughs> I'm going to call it the the uh, the lectionary. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great idea. So, uh, um, so, so there's, there is this, the evangelical church, if that's where your background is, I mean, it certainly is really for most, for both of us. Th that church has had a bit of a tension with Lent with Advent, like there's a nervousness. And then you, if you round up hundred evangelicals and, uh, and say, you can't leave this room till you tell us like, what does the season look like? 
they'd be stuck in the room forever for the most part. Like ask, ask an evangelical to say, where's Epiphany? Ask an evangelical to say, where's like, you know, what, what's the name for the season after Easter? And, uh, and most of them don't know because we're just not taught it. Um, yeah. I, I, and there is this so, suspicion. Uh, okay, like the yeah. most I was allowed to do with Lent was I was, around, I was allowed to give something up, but nothing else changed. The sermons weren't different. The service mm-hmm. weren't dis- different. wasn't different. Like we, you were told, don't eat chocolate. But but there was no like sense of how it changed how you prayed, what it you contemplated, and, mm-hmm. and so for the first time, when someone said to me, "Well, Easter is is about God's presence, and therefore Lent is about His absence," I was like, "What? Like, no, I'm a Pentecostal. Why God's would we want to?" all the time why would we want that yeah yeah so yeah dig into that a little bit more you said we have this tension with it why don't we like i mean actually even now we're we're at south fellowship every year at advent we except for there was one year where we actually started to lean a little bit even deeper where Uh, we didn't even decorate yeah um until later we still decorated way in the middle of uh-huh. Advent, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we, I think we, one year at here at South, maybe five years ago, we progressively decorated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we progressively decorated. So we had nothing the first uh-huh. week of Advent. Yeah. Then we added um, maybe some basic Christmas lights for the second yeah, week yeah, yeah. and third. And the idea was that light was progressively coming, uh-huh. but not this year. Like, and most every other year that I've been here for 12 years, yeah. we just decorate. And then we talk about darkness. Yeah. So, so like, so yeah. what's, what's this tension? Can you unpack that more? So, so I think like we play, we, we, we have the tension with people's expectations a little bit. Like people expect to come in after Thanksgiving and there's decorations everywhere. Cause that's what their homes look like. That's what my home looks that's like. That's what the mall the looks like. Yeah. That's what the, yeah, so the world, the world's pretty. Why are uh, we rejecting it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and, and then depending on where you are, like, so when I was in upstate New York as a pastor, we just had a bunch of. Uh, of either like still Catholics coming to an evangelical church, pseudo Catholics mm. who'd say they'd found Jesus in even in an evangelical mm-hmm. church. And then a bunch of people that would describe themselves as recovering Catholics, which I mean, I'm not <laughs> of a premise that you can't follow Jesus in the Catholic church. I would say absolutely you can, but for them they'd found like, no, it was, it was not healthy. And I'm sure there's some of that the other way around. Like we, for ages in the Baptist churches, there was like this big thing about like going Greek Orthodox. It was like the cool thing to do. And, and I always had in the back of my mind, it was like, are there friends, a bunch yeah. of Greek Orthodox kids that are like, I'm going Baptist. Like that's their. I've rebellion. never heard of that actually. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> What's that tell us? Different, different podcast episode. Different, yeah, yeah. Don't get distracted. Yeah, that could be a, <laughs> so, so there is like this, this tension sometimes with what you grew up with. Uh, so when I used to do stuff that was deeply liturgical, when I would talk about Lent, talk about um, Advent as those two particular seasons of perhaps of contemplation or grief or doubt or darkness or the absence of God, uh, I would have these people that were ex-Catholics that would come up to me and be like, like I'm starting to get like, it's problematic spidey feelings or spidey senses or whatever like yeah i'm you're giving me ptsd ptsd is coming to the surface yeah for a while we did the passing of the peace here and i had someone come up to me and said like super toxic background in in the catholic church Mm -hmm. not that they all are at all no but she was like please explain to me because i i love my church and i don't want to have to leave because it's so uncomfortable me 
to pass the peace. Pass the peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I get it. And, so, and we would say, <clears throat> I think we're probably in a better place. And I think a bunch of you guys listening, you'd probably say, um, you keep up with some of these things. 20 years ago, you could maybe make the argument that the, the evangelical church was less a place of trauma than the Catholic church. Uh, or you could maybe try that argument. And yeah. now, 20 years later, we're like, oh my goodness, like we're, we're no better than the, the church on the other side of the road. Yeah. Um, we've all got that baggage that we're dealing with. And so there's a bunch of people out there that we know personally, communally, that are like, I don't know if I could ever step foot in the church again. That's how traumatic it's been for me. Just as a side note, um, you may not know this about church if, or about South specifically, but this is kind of becoming a church that those sort of folks show up. Yeah. <laughs> um, where folks who've kind of written off church and then they somehow stumble into South and they're like, okay, maybe I'll hang out here yeah. a little bit longer. And But there's a little bit of uh, tension. So that's just a, I think that's actually kind of a cool thing that our community is, has become for some folks. But yeah, it is something that I've heard a lot of. So, so, so yeah, Advent is this season that we've tried to, to push into and reflect on the big ideas, which are Advent begins in the dark. It's like this beautiful Fleming Rutledge quote that really mm -hmm. gives you a good picture of it, really get to feel that. Um, and that it's this slow unfolding of the difficulty, perhaps, approaching Christmas, of some of the tension, where we get to tap into some of the longing of the first followers of, of Jesus before he even turned up. Like the, the first Jewish people that are longing for a Messiah to enter the world, we get to tap into some of their longing. Um, mm -hmm. While reflecting that as followers of Jesus today, we're supposed to have a longing as well. Now, now, whether many of us do, if we're honest, like I, one, I've used this in a sermon before at South, but one of my favorite Babylon B memes was, um, was Christian man says heaven's second best option if he can't live in America in 2021. So, so for some of us, if we're honest in the, the, the West, we're like, yeah, I mean, if he has to come back, like that, that'd be okay. But, but actually things are going pretty well right now. The business yeah. is flourishing. Uh, the kids are doing great in school. Yeah, as inflation goes up, you're like, okay, heaven sounds a little bit better each time uh -huh, inflation yeah. goes up. But then, oh, if it plummets again, then maybe maybe God can just stay in his spot for a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. So, so Advent is a, a season of recognizing a chunk of fracture in the world. Um, yeah. Um, and, and longing for God to fill that. Okay, so you've just made a real... Um, well, we can go a couple different directions, but you've made some, a case for Advent. Uh-huh. Started to, at least. <laughs> so why don't we just celebrate it super classic here at South? That's a great question. I, 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 I've always said it's because the worship team can't handle going dark, but it's not, it's not that at all, really. It's, it's partially I that, that. I said that one it, year, and you were like, oh, wait until you see next week. <laughs> yeah, it's partially that, that. No, no. There's just, there isn't as many songs. Just, uh, but, uh -huh. yes. No, it's not actually that, but there are there are fewer songs written in that space. Yeah, um, I think we've tried. To, I, I honestly think, like for me, I, I I'm trying to like classic expression, have my cake and eat it. Um, so yeah. I, like I, I love because I love the build up to Christmas, um, and I actually mm. think there's some good expectation <laughs> there with like the joy of like 
if you can tap back into that childhood experience of like how many days is it left? There is a waiting tension there as well that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so I actually don't, I actually love how we do Advent here. Yes. Um, we, we have moments where we, you know, we, this week we, we sang a couple of songs, Divine Messiah. Come um, Divine is Messiah, yeah. Yeah, we sang mm. uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, these these ones that are, are are more pondersome and stuff. At some point, we'll probably throw in We Three Kings. We'll probably throw in Joy to the World or something like that. Like mm -hmm. the, And I think that seems to work for us as a community. So I think part of the reason evangelicals, this is a little bit more true of, of um, Lent than it is of Advent. Mm. But part of the reason I think that a lot of the evangelical church has gotten away from the liturgical calendar and the lectionary is because we're people of the resurrection and mm -hmm. we're people that celebrate. Sunday people. Yeah. And Sunday, even on the church calendar, is always resurrection, yes. by the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the church calendar. So, um, but we want to live in the light of the victory of God in the world that he has risen and he has yeah. completed this. Um, and so we, we don't want to sit in the dark. And then as Westerners, it gets like accentuated even further because we want up and to the right yeah. and going backwards and choosing to dwell on the dark feels less up and to the right uh, oh, for absolutely. us. It's like, well, it's like someone's, you know, and, and I'm, I would love to know like the Venn diagram of the num the people that we have that listen and I'd include you, uh, you and I in that and people that like know their Enneagram number. Because I, I feel like the crossover is probably pretty, pretty <laughs> extensive. I don't know why I feel that way, but I just, just knowing some of you guys that listen and getting to hear from you and stuff. Uh, someone once said, like, what's the Enneagram number of the church in America? If you could give the church, like Ooh. the evangelical church, an Enneagram a, number, what, what did you, you answer? Say? What did you answer? Well, it's a seven, right? Really? I mean, well, and, and you could make arguments for others, I'm sure, but it's like, let's not feel any pain. Maybe let's, let's like let's be happy all the time. Like oh, that. Okay, that was maybe that's the Pentecostal church. Maybe there's other expressions. So, but it's it's like no. This, I th I mean, yeah. Maybe the evangelical church for sure <laughs> has some leaning that way. No, no one should be in control. I don't want to be in charge of anything, but nobody else should be. <laughs> uh, seven with an eight wing. Don't control uh, me. Yeah, that, yeah, that's like yeah. that's the eight. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it. I've, I've, yeah, I felt that maybe, maybe the church as a, as a thing, if it could have a number, is a seven. Um, Interesting. Because as soon as you talk about anything a little bit gloomy and, and there's, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's like, that, that's, you, you see that in, um, in some of the Old Testament texts. You see it in some of the language Jesus uses around, like grief. John the Baptist came and, you know, he, you're like the people that someone came and played a dirge uh, and someone said, no, play happy songs for us. And yeah, and, you know, there's, there's a fascinating element there. Of so I also think like now we, now we feel obligated to defend ourselves for why we're doing it this way. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that my explanation about why the evangelical church has gotten away from Lent specifically is similar in Advent. Um, there is even though we want to say everything's up into the right and the West, all this, we, we know everyone's knows if you've lived any extent of life, you know, that life can just be challenging. Mm -hmm. And Sunday 
in the especially in the evangelical church, but Sunday has met has been a place where you go, you encounter the living God, the light of the world, the resurrected king, mm-hmm. the one who's promised that everything. And so it's supposed to be have some of that celebratory nature. But what we're maybe recommending, if you're saying, okay, what do I do with this conversation? Yeah. Thanks for all the information. Thanks for the education, Advent history. What practically speaking in my everyday life, what is two pastors from South recommending for me to do this Advent? Maybe what we're doing, at least this specific Advent, Advent is we're recommending you go there on your in the in the week, and we will hint at it. And some of our liturgical elements on Sundays will hint at more of the heavier side mm-hmm. of Advent. But we also want the weekends when we gather as a church family to be looking forward a little bit, and and that respite from the midweek Advent. Yeah, and and reflection. And I think, yeah, that that that's that's really fair. I I, I had a quote on Sunday morning which. I, I would stand by as some of the purpose like of, of Advent, and, and we've already tapped into this. Ad, uh, it's Advent, let the waiting begin. Um, yes. So so now, now at the same time, I think there's ways that that waiting period, if you allow it to, brings some stuff to the surface. And I think one of the weakest parts of the evangelical church for a couple of centuries has been there's a decision moment to follow Jesus um, and then, then nothing real like you're not really on the hook for any of your own growth. It's the mm. church's chance to grow, ch- ch- job to grow me. Like I'm like personal, whether you call discipleship formation it is like, no, someone's supposed to do that for me or it's going to happen accidentally without me even realizing it. Hmm. Um, and yet for centuries, all these different churches have all these different spiritual practices that allow you to att- intentionally grow. So to me, some of what happens in waiting and I, and I, just before we started, I, me- I mentioned this to you just in that moment of a little bit of reading as I'm waiting, just brought some stuff to the surface for me that I hadn't seen that really like blindsided me personally in my own way of being. Totally. Um, and, and so then that the move from Advent or perhaps in Advent is it's no longer just um, it's Advent, let the waiting begin. It becomes it's Advent, let the working begin as well. Huh. Because there's this invitation to, to grow in a different way, um, to take that journey into the new year, into the process of, of, of epiphany, of um, Lent, of Easter and Eastertide, and, and to see and, and know that formation. And, and those are hard and challenging things. Like, so, so for me, part of the thing that I've, I've worked with this year has been, I said to someone like back in, the, in August, September, the queen died. That had been a constant in my life. Um, I turned 40 and I got skin cancer. Um, and, and so there was a few weeks where it really like hit me around some questions of like, am I the person that I want to be for the rest of my life? Huh. Um, uh, and so then when you go through those things... There's a little bit of an Ash Wednesday season for you, almost. Yeah, yeah, probably. A little like, bit of a staring mortality in the face, and, and a little I, bit and, of a evaluative. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder if, like, the spiritual renewal cycles that we go through, I wonder if they're possible without some of that sense of, like, darkness, death. Uh, they yep. feel pretty connected. And so it seems like, to me, Advent has this possibility to kick off a new cycle. And Lent has this possibility to kick off a new cycle. 
But like, I mean, Jesus says this, like, unless a seed is buried in the ground, unless it dies and is buried in the ground, how can anything grow? Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, there was like, well, what is there some stuff I'm supposed to die to in this season? Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and when you just get into December and you're like, every moment is taken up with, I'm working, I'm getting stuff done, I'm buying presents, I'm singing songs, I'm lighting Christmas trees, and there's no space. Mm. then then like that 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 seems like we're missing an opportunity so it feels like our job as the church is to fight for space for people and and resource peace, people with the knowledge or the the gift of saying there is an option of living into this season differently yes yeah yeah, yeah. and so like some yeah. of that like the daily team we have this team here we'll do that there's an online devotional with south that you can follow along with it's actually working yeah this, lectionary this the year. daily right now is actually lectionary based yeah. which is kind of cool which is it's a little bit most of the time when the daily devotional is much more sinking into the same passage you preached on this season we decided to sort of deviate from that and instead spend the majority of our time supplementing uh, something different than what the sermon was yeah, on, yeah. which is we decided to just go through the lectionary texts for the season yeah. and, and resource you with that. So maybe if you haven't subscribed to the daily, you could get the lectionary readings in in throughout this Advent. Another resource would be, uh, you mentioned Fleming Rutledge. Um, yeah, she, her book on Advent, which is, is a, incredible. a collection of her sermons, is wonderful. Yeah. Walter Brueggemann has a book called Celebrating Abundance, which is a wonderful Advent devotional that actually really pushes some of those like, how do you do Advent when you've got a ton of stuff? Like he Ooh, asks yeah. some just amazing questions around that. But the There's... point, the point is to to find that space, that margin, to acknowledge some of the void of the world as it is. Yeah. Um, and so I eventually, like at some point, I'm going to have the perfect Advent devotional because. Laura and I are about to have a fourth child. So at some point, this thing will, this beautiful baby will turn up and I'll be like, okay, now I'm sat and wait. I mean, I'm in the moment. Um, yeah. Now it's probably too late for anyone to go back and do that. But yeah. You know, just, next year, there's an idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> have a can baby you, in the can Christmas Can you calculate season. us the dates that we, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> too far. That's, All right, yeah, too yeah, far. So Got yeah, it. So Got it. they uh, can take care of that themselves. But it's just, yeah, that, that, that's been an awareness for me as well. Like, wow, yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. So yeah. that's maybe the challenge for you is to consider, okay, find some space for some time. And specifically, uh, I think Advent and Lent are these two seasons in the church calendar that are like the black tapestry that allows the gold threads of resurrection and incarnation mm, to ah, sing. Such a beautiful picture. Look and it, here's the problem we have in the West is so much of life is just basically, let's fill the tapestry with as much bright colored fabric oh, yeah, as yeah, possible yeah which if you're an artist, you know, you ha contrast is king in art. Mm -hmm. Like it contrast allows you to draw the eye to certain pieces of and places. Same thing is true in music, dynamic range. You want quiet things and loud things yeah. in order to, and contrast is one of the things that make art beautiful, huh. both musically and artistically. And as in the West, we basically said, let's just make it's the, it's the climax of the song and it's the bright spot of the art piece all the time always yeah and, and, if, and if, for those of you that love philosophy there's a there's a um an english philosopher that 
does this piece called, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, called um, Music and Dance, I think it's called. Uh, and, and he walks through like how our whole Western society is built on getting to the end of journeys. Huh. Um, like he, he says, you know, that's what we want to do. We always want to get to the end. Like I got to get to the thing and I get to the thing. And he says, it's a lie. You do it with work. You, you, you told, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to school so I can go to college and then I'm going to go to grad school and then I'm going to get into like something and I'm going to make my way up the different levels and quotas. And then finally I'm going to open the thing that I've been, been looking for. And, and he said, you open it, there's nothing there. Um, and we do it with everything. It's not just a work thing. Everything is that thing. When my kids get to this age, I'll be happy. When I get this house, I'll be happy. And, uh, and, and it's all nonsense. And it seems like it's even bled into the church calendar. And, and you're, you're like, the idea of the contrast is what hit me with that. Like he, and he talks about a symphony. And he says, well, if that was true, yep. it was just to get to the end, a whole symphony would be boiled down to one crashing crescendo. Yep. That would be our permanent note. And it feels like that's what we've wanted life to be, one permanent crashing crescendo. Yeah. Um, which you and I have both seen, and we've talked about this a little bit before at different points. You and I have both seen enough of other cultures. Um, I mean, you lived in a completely different culture for years. So did you, um, by the way. Yeah, so did I. But, but we've both <laughs> no. been in cultures that there isn't just resources to cover, to, to Enneagram 7 your way through life. Yeah. Um, so, so like, you don't have that escape in some cultures. You can't, you can't just buy more stuff. You can't just, like, because might, that might be it forever. Like, eking it out might be it. And, and so it's just fascinating that there can be no crashing crescendo in those cultures because, well, there's the cycle. You plant seeds. You wait for them to grow. Uh, as they grow, you care for them. You make sure they have enough water and you pray sometimes for water when there's not enough water because there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. And then finally, there's this moment of harvest where there's this moment of like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, so I, I'll, I wish we had time to even go do a whole episode on the history of some of the timing of Advent. Yeah. And stuff, because there's actually like, it's actually born out of a missionary movement in oh. Europe. And, the and so like, for example- Wait, You know something about Europe that I don't know. I'm yes. a little uncomfortable with that. <laughs> so, um, well, like some folks don't, in some Christian folks don't celebrate, they don't do Christmas trees because it's a pagan yeah, roots. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pagan roots of a missionary trying to reach a pagan nation yeah, okay, and trying yeah, to redeem yeah, yeah. the Yule log concept. And all, so a lot of the actual timing of when Advent is, and a lot of these pagan roots to the, the Yule log and lights on trees and, and or candles on trees and all of this stuff actually is rooted in this effort to translate the way of Jesus and the concepts of the gospel to, to other nationalities who had these other um, harvest um, practices, around, like spiritual practices. So the idea of Advent is you have the deepest dark. Uh -huh. It's the shortest, darkest day of the year. December 21st. And you just, um, and you, you're hoping for when the light starts uh -huh. to increase. That makes sense. So these missionaries yeah. said, yeah, that's exactly what yeah, the yeah, incarnation yeah. is. That's, it's this deepest dark of the world, the brokenness of the world. And then just like you guys celebrate this thing, hoping for the harvest to come. Uh -huh. 
and and you're and you're anticipating that light is going to start to gradually increase that's what we want you to do with with the ideas Genius. around the resurrection. I wonder what these poor guys did if like they sent some of those missionaries to now reach the southern hemisphere and they get down there like, no. Like, Shoot, all of my ideas. Um, it's more of a spiritual darkness that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Like, physical. But the ebbs and flows of, so they basically took the nature of mm. these societies were just saying they, they just observe in nature. This is the longest day of, or the shortest day of the year and the longest day of the year. We get food when it's, when there's light, mm -hmm. we don't get food when it's cold and stuff. And so they just used all those as illustrations of the way of Jesus and how the coming of God is like the the advent of the light returning to the world, bringing it. life and all That's these things. So, good. so and so so for us, like to get to some of what we're talking about beyond like the broad concept of of Advent, this cycle of advent we're we're actually tapping into some very traditional characters yes um and we should probably mention mary yeah yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> since you did week, talk about was, it was mary which but but she's another reflection of that fascinating tension between catholic and evangelical evangelical churches because yeah. you have like for the evangelical she's mary the mother of jesus mm -hmm. and for the catholic church she's mary the mother of god um and they're both true in some senses, um, in every sense, no. I mean, like, 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 like that. We'll expand that. Like for the Catholic church, she's revered much higher, much higher. Yes. Like you pray to her. Yes. And, and so yet for the evangelical church, that's almost felt at times like to counteract that we have to make her as low as possible. Yes. Um, like she's important because she like fed Jesus when he was a baby, yeah, but, 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 but that's about like, it. She's not any more important than the baby horse that turned up at the stable or the like. Little Sebastian. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like there's, there's a tension there. And yet she even in her own, in her Magnificat talks about how you know, all generations will call me blessed. Uh, this is a significant thing. This was a gift to her. And and mm. her giving of herself and all of the different ways that include that that involved to this story was a gift to the world. Mm. So like there's a, there's a bit of a tension there, and 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 then the other the, the the tension that we talked about this Sunday that I think we miss is um we probably make her journey a little bit easier than it is. Like when we when we fail to recognize just what entering that story must have cost her um, yeah because like nazareth tiny town 400 people uh everybody knows what everybody else is is up to and teenage and girl teenage girl pregnant out of wedlock out of wedlock yeah that there's there's a cost to yep. that like they even they even had a little bit of a debate should we stone her to death uh yeah and then, or let and her live and try and at least like sweep at this under the rug he's like got this like yeah and they had justification yeah. to stone her yeah, yeah. um it, like according to their culture uh -huh. um yeah it's hey, a the, pretty intense there's a pretty there's an intensity to that story and, and 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 because we get to block it like we would a play we've got scene one mary meets an angel scene two she's nine months pregnant scene three she's in bethlehem and she gives birth like it's like that and and then me having a wife scene who's... four jesus heals the blind man 
<laughs> and because because for me especially like uh, having a wife who right now is eight months and a half pregnant and it's kind of like uh, any day now would be fine with me there's there's the joy of being pregnant and that and then there's that i'm ready to be done um which mm -hmm. is probably the experience of every woman that's ever been pregnant mm -hmm. um i think i don't think i've ever met a woman that said to me this can go on for as long as it wants to go my on. sister wanted to be pregnant for the rest of her life she, she loved she loves being pregnant does she love being nine months pregnant? Probably not. Yeah, that's the. That's but most the, of it, yeah, she enjoys quite yeah. a bit. But then, yeah, I, I think my wife enjoys it quite a bit. But I do yeah. think there is that bit, like towards the end, where you're like, yeah, you're like eight, eight and a half months. You're like, okay, I'm I done. I feel like we're we're dangerously wandering into territory we have no real knowledge of. Other than that's just, fair. We yeah, should yeah. move on. We should move on. Um, and then, uh, so 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 trying to enter into the story of like, well, how does it feel? When you're Mary and the angel has come with this 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 mm. word, but there's no physical evidence of it. And then what does it feel like the first time you hear a baby feel a baby kick? And you start to feel life within you. And you know, what what does it feel like when you get to that point of just being uncomfortable and and you've been to the well however many times at six months pregnant and you know everybody's talking about you and and you've endured that for months. Um and what does it feel like if your family started to get discluded from some of the social connections that they have? And, totally, uh, wow. You, you, there's so much, and when you try and slow it down and think of nine months of that and beyond in some ways. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of cost there. Like even, so even in later in Jesus's ministry, he goes back to his hometown and they still don't buy it. Yeah. They they basically run him out of town, or he's forced to go uh -huh. on because they just don't they don't believe even then that they don't buy him. Yeah, they, they don't buy yeah, him. Why? Why? Well, maybe. And so she she could still be saying, "No, I promise it was uh, uh -huh. it was a divine inception." Yeah. Um, and they're like, "No, we don't buy you. We don't we don't believe your story. We don't believe him. We don't believe his message." Uh -huh. Kick him out of town. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, her whole life she's got this this weight on her shoulders. How's that for an invitation to the way of God? Yeah. And, and, and so like, I think what we talked about this week was there's, there's maybe a truth for us that, that pulling it out of almost the advent cycle into our own personal application. I think we encounter some of those things like, no, this is something God promised me. This is something that was either spoken to me or I felt distinctly was supposed to be true. What do you do when you don't see it? What do you do when it's more problematic than you slower? You expect it to be slower. Painful. Like, I think I think for a lot of us, we would say there was this moment where I feel like I jumped into God's story and I did it headlong, like just threw Zealous, myself in. I like, tried. Yeah, I, and I, uh, yeah. And now I'm in this season that's a little more complicated. Um. What do you do with those things? Well, what do you do? That that's that seems to be the the like Mary seems to hold on to this distinct hope in amongst that, and 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 and, and there's this whole conversation that I don't think we have time for today because I'm still getting to the book, but it's a book that a couple of our people are, are around our staff have have read, uh, Church on the Other Side. Oh yeah, where, where it taps into some of like the I feel ways. left out. You, no one's even mentioned it no, to me. You, you were in a whole conversation where we talked about it. Church on the other side? Yeah. 
It's really? the one Yvonne was talking about originally with it's the left brain versus the right brain. And oh, how church I just... In those different things. Okay. Just, All right. You, no, no, you, I just didn't know the title. You're included, don't worry. I didn't know the title. Okay, it's fine. All right. Uh, but now a bunch of people have read <laughs> it, and it and it really like taps into this like how we process our journey and mm. how we become very much an informational church. Um, like church world or Western church. Um, like Mary's first response to this news is poetry. It's something very artistic. It's something mm. very processing in a different way. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, and, and I had this quote from Walter Brueggemann this week about how Advent is the season of the poem, not the season of the just information. It's got this like different element to it. And, and so somewhere, like one of the things that seems to create hope for her is this artistic outburst. Uh, and that actually happens all throughout Israel's history. And it's so often a woman that does it as well, which is again, fascinating. But mm -hmm. like Miriam's song is, is, is that moment like back in the Exodus of, uh, of singing what God has done. Yeah, maybe Moses is like, we just made it through the sea. Let's plow ahead. And, we, we made like drying himself and Miriam's like, seriously, we're not going to like celebrate at all. Uh -huh. Yeah, anyway, yeah. But, but a song is not just retrospective. It's also future orientated. Yeah. This is what God has promised and done. Therefore. This is what God has promised and is still to do. Um, the power and, of art. Yeah. And that's what Mary does. She's like, this is what God has promised and done. This is what God has promised and still to do. Um, and, and that like immersing hmm. ourselves in that hopeful practice, whatever that looks like for you, um, whether it's writing journaling, whether it's, um, like whether it's writing a song, whether it's a piece of artwork or something like that. Seems so, like there's something in that. So there's this concept in Mary's story that that keeps coming back around throughout her stories, which is she treasures things mm, up in yeah. her heart. And and so I so you said she enters into this story that God's invited her into. She's she chooses to participate in this. Um but then it's heavier and harder and more shame ridden than she expected probably. Uh -huh. And it's long lasting, all this stuff. Maybe one of the re reasons she's able to still sustain that and stomach that is because of this willingness to treasure up, to hold the implications of her commitment to the way of God um, and meditate on them and revisit them over and over again, exactly like you're, you're suggesting to, to journal about it, to, treasure these things up in your heart. So maybe that's one of the recommendations you can, you can do this season is to find a way to treasure up yeah. the things of God in your, in your heart. So this is like, we, we use this phrase in church that, uh, God is good all the time. All the time. All the time God, God is, is good. good. Uh, which has a bunch of tensions for a bunch of people, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's not even unique to, to Christianity. There's actually this, this phrase that like, that, that is at the end of, um, uh, at the end of a movie called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. It's about this group of elderly people that moved to India. Starting to think you've watched every movie there is and read every book that there is. So, okay, carry on. So they, they moved to India to this uh, to this hotel that this young guy is making that's designed for seniors to live in at a lower cost if they can't afford to live in England, because most of them are okay. uh, and, and he has this phrase that he keeps repeating uh, about his hotel, which is a disaster. Like, they get there, like, the bedrooms aren't built, like the taps aren't working. Everyone's just surviving. 
Um, and oh man, where'd it go? And, and he says, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Um, or everything will be good in the end. If it's not good, it's not the end. That sounds like a lyric we sing here at South quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, like when, when I read it, it hit me like that song that we sing. Like, you know, if it's not, if like, uh, I mean, there's multiple. The story lyrics, isn't over if the story isn't story good. Isn't good. The, the one, there's one in, um, I think it's the song Seasons that we just sang the other yeah. week. That's really similar as well. Yeah. Um, n- now that can feel like, like a little fatalistic almost like, you know, or a little naive optimism. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's not if it's grounded in relationship with a God who loves you and cares for you. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere, it's a it's a hope statement that that is actually is actually powerful and life transforming, life affirming. Yeah, which is why this season, even just pay attention to the literal physical seasons of the year. Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons why Advent is now. Uh-huh is because um, most of us have a pretty good anticipation and hope that the days are going to start getting longer again, that summer will come again. Yeah. Why do we hope that? We've seen it over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Trees are going to get green again. Mm-hmm. Grass is going to get green again. Yeah. All these. And so, so is that naive hope for us to believe that the sun's going to come back out no. In the morning or no, not at all. This is the kind of hope it is. And it, but it's colder, uh-huh. it's more uncomfortable, and it's way longer than we would like yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. But yeah. that's and, and, and actually beautifully, like this is something that really hit me when I started gardening more, like my my becoming oldness of like starting to garden and starting yeah. to observe birds and things like that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm was, trying to picture you uh, like sitting on your porch just like with it's your totally I'm like, yeah, this is a green warbler, it's the first one of the year. <laughs> that a crocus emerging from the ground uh it just it, it knowing that there's a connection to a hard winter with great plant life coming out like planting tulips in fall and knowing that they need a good hard winter to emerge and there's something about their brilliance that's connected to a winter that's long and a little bit difficult and if winter breaks too soon they may not grow well um like actually there's all these fascinating elements to life totally that, that just you know and that again that song seasons that we intentionally started advent with taps into all of that yeah. um you know the longer the waiting the greater the harvest um yep it is fascinating that's not naive this, yeah. optimism it's this intentional trust practice that mary enters into um yeah and and now now then like then the hard part sometimes is sometimes we get very tied into what good looks like at the end of the story. We feel like we know exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and then like there's a trust process of saying, huh, good might look a little bit different than we think. Um, what, yeah. what happens when, when like good isn't, what we want so so i'll throw in like a personal thing there for me every time i have a child like this part of me again enneagram seven that starts to ask questions about what if this child has like something that isn't yeah i'm gonna uncarefully i guess use the word normal like but but like is 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 a challenge 
and, and and as an Enneagram seven person, you have those moments of like, like, oh my goodness, like what would I do? Like, how would we handle that? Like, can't do this with them, can't do that with them, all those different things. Every parent I know that has a child with some kind of disability or some kind of struggle. Yeah only talks to me about the amount of life that that child has brought into the family sometimes because of that thing uh and yeah. I, I had a student that i worked with um who's probably not listening but if he is tyler tish one of the great humans in the world uh and i remember we we had a girl turn up in a wheelchair once to a youth group i was running and he was the only one out of a bunch of kids that went over and spent time with her every week would talk to her would just you know yeah. And this guy's like, we always used to joke, like this guy's like, you, you meet him and, and you're like, he's a pretty good looking, pretty good looking kid. And you're like, he's probably not very smart. And then you realize like he's top of his class and everything. And you're like, well, okay, he's, he's really smart, but he's probably not an athlete. Like he's like, you know, and then you find out, no, he's actually like crazy athletic. And then you're like, he's probably a real jerk. Then he's like the nicest kid you've ever met. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> Come what's on, going, man. What's going on Give the you, rest man? of us like, a chance. Just, and then you meet his sister who has something similar to Down syndrome mm. that isn't fully diagnosed, um, who he adores. And like to yeah. watch him and Ellie and the way that he cares for her and loves her. And you ask the question, maybe part of what makes him who he is is his relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, so, so you realize like God's goodness in stories doesn't always fit our standard pattern of goodness. And there's probably times where Mary's saying this story isn't finished yet. Um, and there's other times where she might say, I know what good looks like, and yet good doesn't look exactly as she was. That's the whole trust thing, like to trust that the story's not finished, but to also trust that God's understanding of a good story might be a little bit different. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. There's our challenge for you is to wrestle with some of this ambiguity. And a season of Advent is a time in the church calendar designated for that wrestling. So practically, like what's some encouragements? Like maybe taking a few minutes in the morning that you might not usually have to, to just create some space for that. Like I, for me, one of the things I actually love is on a winter morning just to, to go outside wrapped up for just a little bit and just to feel the cold. Um, yeah. And to feel the winterness of it and the slowness of it and... Um, to, that that I think is a practice, or to meditate meditate upon the um, the the coldness that's in the world, or yeah. the darkness that's in the world for a moment, and say, "Yeah, the world still needs him. Mm -hmm. I long for him to come yeah. and make it better." And that longing, let that longing for his presence, for his arrival, for his second arrival. Mm -hmm to just swell in your heart. Yeah. That longing is good because that longing is what helps you sustain the darkness uh -huh. and participate in bringing the light. It's yeah. That's what this season's for. Real, real simple liturgy that you can throw in is like most of us have lights in our house. Um, just as you're turning on a light, um, that phrase mm. from John, like God's light has come into the world. That's a preparation and expectation thing. Has yeah. it happened yet? No, but it is, is it about to happen? Yes, you actually intentionally get to like become excited about it. Yeah, um, that's good. Gratitude, another practice that can be done through journaling, through like this daily examine that we talked about the other week mm -hmm. is just also something that's just in incredible. Um, and I, we recommend a ton of things on here. Just try something. Yeah. Try something different that changes your pattern of life in this season to help you prepare. So we've already gone... 50, minutes. 55 minutes. Look at us.
It's like standard, right? <laughs> it is. It is standard. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you for doing that. Um, especially uh, as we're sort of rebranding all this stuff, it'd be great. We don't have. I mean, uh, not to shame you, but come on, guys. You like if you like this show, we have no reviews on iTunes. I don't think. I think uh, you and I maybe have yeah. reviewed it. And I, no, I think that's all three. I put it in in my review. I'm biased because I'm part of this show. <laughs> um, so if you give us some reviews, it really does help us to, to get the word out about it. And for some weird reason, some of you like this. And so if you yeah, actually yeah. do, I'm going to just that a little extra multiple step. iTunes accounts and just, <laughs> just like, you know, with pseudonyms. It's going to be like Guy Incognito. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. <Joe Mystery>. Alexi. <laughs> Alexis. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, that helps us out a lot. Um, thanks for tuning in uh, this week. And if Alex is isn't on the show, it may mean that he has a little one that he's Why holding. So uh, maybe but, I'll just bring them to the show. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd there be you fun. go. Yeah. So, awesome. I love it. Thanks for tuning in, See and we will catch you next time. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.